we are ready. We are ready. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning. We're just grateful, Lord. We come with joy this morning, even if we came with the weather that might uh, not be what we hoped or expected. Lord, we know that it's good. We know that you bring rain when we need rain. And I pray that your spirit this morning rains down upon us, Lord, wisdom from heaven, inspiration from heaven, encouragement from heaven. I pray that you, the Holy Spirit, would teach us this morning what needs to be learned in our souls for these times. We need wisdom, Lord. We need your presence. We need your power. And we're asking this morning that you would add all those to us as we have gathered. Uh, we come in faith. We come expecting. We come believing. And we thank you that your word is powerful enough to meet us here and you by your spirit that every single person who walked in the door who has you resident inside, Lord, we are gathered together in your name, bonded together in Jesus Christ. And I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have to go to the restroom, that's fine. Just open the door. Good morning. Excuse me, Jeff. I just got an email from Diane Ingram. Is she okay? Not going to be there today. Going to North, South Carolina to see Walt's mom. She is now in compassionate care with hospice in the facility. Pray for travel, safety, a good visit, and the Lord's will be done. Thankful for you and the church family. Thank well, you. Just got it. So I think Thank you. Should, yes. Thank you. We do. We care for each other. So as the Lord brings these things, you know, I love it that, that you text each other and, and then you share with us what, you know, what's going on. We were worried about you this morning and the Lord brought you to us. <laughs> I'm glad. All right. Everybody um, pull out your study syllabus. Let's see. What does it look like? It's in the front of your little thing. It's, it's one of these pages, one of these in the front of your packet that says, uh, <clears throat> yeah, schedule and syllabus part one. Okay. So do you see where it says study number, uh, December 4th, Christmas coffee? That has changed to the 11th. We do not want to compete with Operation Christmas Child. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like you, you only have so many days. They, they give you such minimal slots, and it's such an opportunity. We do not want to compete with anybody who wants to attend that. This is more flexible than that. We don't even have the planning committee yet, so <laughs> we could do that. So that's uh, postponed to one more week, so the 11th, okay? Just so you can write that on your, on your schedule. Yes, and also if, if anybody's willing to, I need volunteers also to help <clears throat> do that, the Christmas coffee too. So if you're interested in helping with that, please let me know. Oh, got one volunteer already. Perfect. All right, also a teaser alert. If you make it through to the next study, I have a Cersei for you. Do you know what a Circe is? If you've lived in the South long enough, you'll know that a Circe is a gift for absolutely no reason. <laughs> it's lovely. Little Circes. We give each other Circes. And uh, so if you show up next time for the study and you've done it, and you've made it through the third study, you've earned a gift. So that's a blessing. All right. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your word. Bless your word this morning. The second letter, excuse me, the two letters that Paul, Timothy, and Sylvanus wrote to these Thessalonians, Thessalonians, they were written as a team. And I did learn something more. Um, almost all of things that were letters that were written back in those days were done communally. There were not hardly ever anyone ever sitting in a room by themselves writing a letter. That's not how it worked. And so anyway, you'll say that often. He'll say Timothy, Paul, and Timothy, Paul, Timothy, and Sylvanus, or uh, Silas. Um, so... Um, these letters were written as a team because they had been together 
as a team in Thessalonica before that. That's why I had to do a little bit of that background in the beginning of this study because um, they had started a teeny church just like that. God made it, uh, brought believers together and they taught them for three weeks. And when Greg went through the whole book of Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd, just incredible doctrine he laid down for them, but then to uh, remind them again of all the things and to check in on them. So that's why I wanted you to know that um, they were chased out of town under duress after three weeks. And they were checking in on these, you know, these people. They were worried, you know, for them. And he had sent Timothy back there. That was a little background. All right, so I'm going to start reading from the middle of chapter 4, okay? Just those five verses and then all of chapter 5. Let's, let's read, read the word together. Now, I am reading from the NASB, so I decided to, yeah, that's what you've got. If you've got the inductive study Bible... One, it's usually NASB. Okay. All right, First Thessalonians 4, starting with verse 13. <clears throat> but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of God, that we are... We who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now as to times, the times, and the epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will just come, will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like birth pangs upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you and the Lord and give you instruction, and that you may seem, excuse me, esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. And we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, Help the weak, be patient with all men. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil, 
And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord. And all right, so I really, this people get ready study is literally for us to catch the references in scripture that point to the end times. That's why we have all assembled. That's why we're digging into the word with this purpose. I don't usually do a topical study. But we have chosen all the t- full text in Scripture that refer to these things. Of course, we've not, we, we've got not, we don't have every single verse, but we're getting the main bodies of text in this study this fall and then throughout um, the coming winter um, at the beginning of the year. All right, so the whole tenor um, of this is, it picks up the connection between the second return of Jesus Christ and the believers who have already died, because there were people that had questions, fears about missing out on the blessing uh, and the return of Jesus Christ, you know, because there really just wasn't a lot said. If you read the Pentateuch, you're not going to catch things about, you know, which is what they had. They had the Pentateuch. They had the traditions of the, um, the elders, you know, Pharisee, the things that had been written, but they didn't have anything that regarded this, the second return of Jesus. And so there was a lot of questions. So I <clears throat> find it interesting you know, when we, we did our study, um, remember, ladies, we did the heaven study, Randy Alcorn's, and how many questions did it raise in our minds, right? We start asking, we realize the scripture is absolutely loaded, hundreds and hundreds of scriptures about heaven and inferences that we catch that we just kind of put together in peace, and you realize there's so many questions that come up, but <clears throat> some of them were answered and some of them were not. Um, some... They, they were answered the way we hoped, and some were actually disappointed about certain things they really couldn't, we couldn't quite understand, because we don't really know everything. We can't be certain about everything. Sometimes when you get one question answered, it opens up 10 more that we don't know, right? <laughs> so um, that's kind of the way this study is going to be. You know, we're going to have some of our questions answered, and some things are going to be left. And the way I've looked at it is, you know, is if, if it's not answered, it's not intended to be. Okay, there's a reason for it not to be. So, but um, I always, I thought about this when I was realized, do you realize Paul got his answers from where? (coughs) And I started, you know, there are a lot of things in scripture that speak to the specific questions about, excuse me, there aren't a lot of scriptures that speak to this very thing of believers dying. There's not. And you know who answers them? Paul, right? Paul seems to have the answers to these particular questions within the epistles he wrote. And I find that very fascinating. <laughs> and verse 15 tells us, if you look right there, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, which he only says if he received it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you if this is my, he'll say, this is from me, you know, these are my thoughts, or he'll say by the word of the Lord. And it's interesting um, you know, because there were certain things written through the prophets and things that you can, you know, pick up and intimate. And he would say if it was prophetic or if it's something that, but this one's by the word of the Lord. And maybe when, remember after he got saved and he started to go out and share, and if you follow the history, 
he went out and he was sharing. Galatians 1 tells us, uh, he, you know, but then all this, you know, nobody believed him and they were afraid of him. So he went to Arabia and Damascus for three years. And he said the Lord gave him revelation. And do you remember when he said, when I was in this, in this body or out of the body? I don't know, I can't tell, but, you know, God revealed to him. I would not be surprised at all if those, some of these things were revealed to him during the time when the Holy Spirit came upon him and revealed very specific things. Maybe he had the same questions, right? I don't know, but I find that very... And, and uh, Galatians chapter 1, God, um, Paul says in verse 12, Galatians chapter 1, verse 12, he said, For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So, and, and I believe that this is one of the things that we believe as a special apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can say we probably wouldn't necessarily believe um, some man that's living now that would say the same thing. You know, we don't have that as that we can hold on to as scripture. But because it's included in this the body of and the text and the ministry and the life and the example and the suffering that Paul has, we can, say, we can include this because he has proven himself. There's not one thing that has happened that he has said that proved him to be false in any way. It's included in the canon of Scripture, so we can say, yes, that we can believe these two be true in what he's saying. So um, Paul seems to have very confident answers about these very unique things after death, right? Okay, so... Let's, um, when I, when I told you to go through and I have honor instructions for your weekly lessons, um, lesson instructions, I, I hope you're catching on to maybe there's, you know, by the time you'll get to this third one, you'll also see there's kind of a pattern here and I tell you to mark distinctly, which is why I gave you different colors of pens and, you know, I hope you have a Bible that you can feel like you can make, you know, not, it's, it, it won't be neat when you're done. Um, because we want you to mark distinctly, and when I instruct you to in, and to mark distinctly the different words in the text, it's safe in that context of that of a whole context of scripture to take everything that is written about that particular thing and make a list and be safe to know that it's safe to draw conclusions within that context. Okay, we're not pulling. And we're not drawing, we're not making, we're just making lists of what the word says about a particular thing. It's safe. It's a safe way to draw uh, your information, okay? Um, So when I do that, I want to do today an example, okay, so that you may feel a little more confident about maybe the way you're doing when you go through and you mark every every word that I've asked you to mark, Um, and then every reference to that, we're going to look for a moment at God, the references, all the references to God in this text, okay? Just as an example, but I want you to realize how full and how rich and how deep you can go with just one, just looking at one reference, okay? One reference word. Let's just see what this text teaches us about God. Remember, the re- this whole Bible is a revelation of God to mankind. And when Jesus was speaking on the road to Emmaus, he said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. The whole volume of the book is written. So when we dig in, we ask, what is this teaching me about God? What does this teach me about Jesus Christ? We are safe to be able to say this is God's revelation. And we have the Holy Spirit, which is why we always pray, dear Lord God, Holy Spirit, teach me your word this morning as I'm digging in. 
So let's just look at just the references to God. And if you marked, and I don't think I missed any, but I, I just wrote them down on your page there. So we can go through and just look at them briefly as we're reading all through the context. Okay, in verse 14, it says, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Now, okay, when we think about it, we always see Jesus coming back on the right horse. We see Jesus, guess what? God says, God will bring with him. God will bring with him. An interesting concept. God is coming. And we also know Jesus is coming. Both are coming. This is a picture. This is another little snippet of the Trinity of God. You know, they're one. They are one. So it's really interesting to catch those little inferences, right? A reference to the Trinity, interchangeable in regards to the coming of the King. God is coming. And um, pay attention. You're going to see that sprinkled all over the Word of God. And their personalities and the work is interchangeable. There's another section in here we'll get to where it says, you know, he sancti- God sanctifies us. And we know that Jesus sanctifies us. We know that the Holy Spirit sanctifies us, right? So when we get a picture, write them down. Really have a sense where you know what, you know, who, what the, the, um, the whole uh, person of God will do and does do for us. All right. Verse, four, verse 16 says, skipping through, Jesus himself would descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the angel's loud voice, all of them together, right? This is a loud and powerful and impactful moment in the history of eternity. The, um, it will be the last sound we hear, this trumpet. The trumpet will be the last thing. It's, it, I can only imagine the power and the beauty of this moment. And it's speaking about the trump of God. The trump of God. And if you look at, let's read 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I, I'm, I had to go back and read this whole section, right? Um, the second half of, of, of 1 Corinthians 15. But I want you to turn there real quickly. And I want you to, <laughs> it's just full. We're going to actually, in two more, two more studies, we're going to do this section, okay? So don't feel like we're skipping anything. There's a lot of stuff in here. But look at verse 52. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. Think of the incredible, okay, now he tells us in the twinkling of an eye, he tells us in the instancy, it's going to be surprise, it's going to be, bang, you know, it's just all out. It's just incredible power for every believer to be changed instantly. Wow, okay, just want you to know that trumpet's going to be the last sound we hear <laughs> with these ears. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Listening for that trumpet. Listening for that trumpet. So um, the whole scenario of this 1 Corinthians 15 from 12 all the way to the end is a transition of power. The transition of power. And I'm so excited because <laughs> it's, it's the transition of power from Jesus, or the enemy, Satan right now is the prince and pan. Prince and power of the air, principalities and powers, and all the dark things are, you know, at play. This is the moment Jesus hands it back. Remember when he was in the wilderness and Satan offered it to him? Yes. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the age if you just bow down. 
And this is the moment when Jesus is like, you're not giving me anything. I'm taking it back. Is it interesting when he says, um, I know, I know. Well, it, um, where's it at? Look, um, look at, go back to, go back to first Corinthians, excuse me, first Thessalonians four and da, 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 da. And I can't, I can't remember when it's in my notes. It'll probably come up here. Is it 19? No. No, it can't be 19. It's a 16. For the Lord himself. So it talks about the power transfer, um, and he hands it over to the Lord. No, it's not, it's not in that one. I think it's in the First Corinthians 15. It is. It's in First Corinthians 15. And when we study that, we will look at that very specifically, okay? So hold that thought. I don't want to get too far off of where we're going here. We're not, I, don't want to get, I don't want to make us late with this. So that's going to be, we will be looking at that full transfer of power in Jesus' hands, God, the kingdoms. He hands the, everything back to his, you know. I, and Greg also, we've talked about this when we get to the book of Revelation. You know when it's silent in heaven for half an hour? because nobody's worthy to open the scroll. And Jesus takes the scroll and he opens it. Some believe that to be the title deed to the earth. And he's the only one able to open. Does it give you? Yeah. That's the moment. This is the power, you know, that God is, it just, so we're going to be looking at that as well. So, all right. Um, Oh, 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 oh. Okay, turn back to first. Let me just look at it real quick. First Corinthians fifteen twenty four. Haha, <laughs> yeah. When he in the context of this, first Corinthians fifteen twenty four. This is the verse, and comes then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to God and the Father, when he abolished all rule and all authority and all power. Boom, gives it back. First Corinthians fifteen verse twenty four. Amen. That's all in the context of this, you know, the dead raising and in the instant. And so when we get to that, I want that just, oh, that study of, of incredible, right? All power is given back to him. All right. Let's turn back to 1 Corinthians again. Excuse me. I keep saying that. 1 Thessalonians. And we want to look at chapter 5 in reference to God. Okay. Going back to the scriptures that are God, let's look at. Um, that should be nine, verse nine, yeah. Not eighteen. It's nine. Thank you. It's like wait, that's way past that. I, that was a typo. Five, verse nine, not nineteen. And this one, ladies, if we take nothing else away from this study, you hold on to this one for the rest of our lives. Okay. God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Kathy, did you mean 419? 5.19. 5.9. 5.9. 5.9. Yeah. Thank you for that correction. So he's not, a, he's not destined us for wrath. Now, this is one of the things, it's a tenet of faith that we have to believe and know. This is God's will that we are not destined for any of his wrath. Um, it should be our singular truth. Carry this through all the thoughts of all the rest of all that you read in regards to the end times, okay? God has not destined us for wrath, his wrath. All right, if we're concerned about what we might suffer, what we might endure, 
through all the difficulties, persecution, troubles of the world, always remember this. God will never pour out his wrath on you as you're, you are covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. And we discover, you know, there's a lot of punishments that are going to happen. The judgments of the wicked. We are never included in these. He always separates us out, correct? All right. There's going to be a lot of scriptures where you want to take note. God pulls out. He pulls out his own. And the, when we talk about the tribulation, that is the wrath of God upon his judgments to the world. Guess what? He does not destine us for his wrath. Amen. Keep that in your mind, okay? So the study of nature, the, the, excuse me, the nature of God, the character of God, his actions, we have to, we have, this is why we study the nature of God. This is why we pull these out. We need to know this is his way. This is his nature. This is his character. He doesn't flip on us. We, he doesn't flip. He's constant. His ways are constant. And you know when he told, um, he told, um, and I can't remember the scripture, but he said, I show my, 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 act, my, my works to the children of men, but my ways I show to my own. And he was referring to Moses. My ways I show to Moses. People that he's, clo he's close to. We want to know his ways, don't we? We want to know the way, the way he thinks, the way he feels. The way. That's what we're searching for. When we dig out from scripture and you make references to God and you write them down, because those are things that will get it settled into your soul. Even the implications of them will settle into your soul. And we become more aware of the God that we serve and how loving he is. And people that think that God is a judgmental, angry thing in heaven, they don't know him. And we want to know him, all right? So let us be very clear. The persecutions of the world towards Christians are not the wrath of God. They are not the wrath of God. That's the wrath of the enemy. The world, it, you know, when the world experiences the wrath of God, it's unmistakable. It's un, and it's horrific. And we will see more of that when we go through the book of Revelation in Jesus, of Jesus Christ. God has not appointed us to that wrath. Okay? Verse 518, <clears throat> it says, And everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you, in Christ Jesus. How many times have we ever asked the question, what is God's will for my life? And you know what? God actually states it sometimes, just as uh, the, the clear as the black ink on paper. This is God's will for you. <laughs> Give thanks. And I have a friend who met with that challenge the day her son had a, um, Donna Bird from Calvary Chapel Gwinnett, her son had a diving or a swimming accident and he died. He was revived, and he is in a vegetative state till now. He's 30-some years old. He was 12 or 13 when it happened, and he's still in a vegetative state. <clears throat> he's, you know, he, he's, he can sit in his chair, but he can't move, right? He can smile. He can. The very first day, God said, thank me. She was like, I don't think I can. And he told her again. And she did. She started from that day finding something to thank God for. And I think about that, and I realize he doesn't tell us to do something that he doesn't empower us to do. And, it, and he knows why. He, he knows why he tells us to do this, because we need it. We need it. This is God's will for you. 
And when something is clearly stated in scripture, you circle it, you highlight it, you mark it out in a way, you know what, I've got a big old heart around mine, big black heart. This is God's will for you. And read verse, uh, let's go back to chapter four, verse three. This is before we started our study, but I wanted you to just notice this in the same context. Chapter four, verse three said, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So it's all part of that, that, that cleansing of our soul, that washing of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, when, when, we, when we hear these things and we understand this is the will of God for my life, then we do. This is, you know, this is something. This is actually our job. Our job is to thank the Lord, right? Um, this is the will of God that you do. And, you know, in the, in the, in the, chap, the, the will of God, our sanctification, he actually explains this. That is, that means that equals for us to live, abstain from sexual immorality. Keep yourselves pure from the sexual tr- draws of this world. That's our job. And we have to do everything we can because it, it is difficult, right? It's getting harder and harder. All right. Another thing that <clears throat> says this is the will of God is directly tied to the next reference of God in our text, which is verse 23, which says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And this is what I was telling you. There's a lot of other scriptures out there that tell you that Jesus Christ sanctifies us, the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. This one tells us that God sanctifies us. God himself sanctifies us or will sanctify you entirely and that's what my my uh, verse says what does some of your other versions say he will sanctify you through and through completely completely, entirely okay it's a perfection it's it's a it's a completion right so god will and then look at um, verse 24 faithful is he who calls you that's god he will bring it to pass. Amen. Amen, Right? So these are the the blessings, the blessings of having, knowing that God um, makes it utterly perfect, fit for heaven. We're intended to live with him forever and ever. This is what he wants. This is his will. He wants this for our life, a body that's incorruptible. And, you know, when we go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and study that, we'll explain that more fully. We're going to study um, that soon. But it's keep in mind, this is the character of God. This is what he wants for us to be completely whole, body, soul, spirit, all three, okay? And um, he will, this powerful God, he planned this from the very beginning. It's been, he's been working on this since before the first sin. He called you and destined you before the foundation of the earth was laid, right? So he says he's going to do this. It's in the bank. It will happen. He will do it. He will bring it to pass. We can hang our future on that. We can rest in that. We don't have to pray it into existence (laughs) for our lives or any of our friends or our loved ones who have passed away. It is God's will for you and I who are in Christ to be preserved complete forever in heaven. God's word says it, and it's true, and he wants, and he will, we will forever be with the Lord. Isn't that a blessing? Amen. So I'm I'm just going to ask a question. Do you kind of see now uh, a little more of the significance of taking the time to write out 
you know, mark these inferences to God, mark these inferences to Jesus Christ. Some of them, they may really be well known to you and you can add them and just be reminded. Other things strike you as something that needs to be considered. You need to meditate on it. You need to consider it. Look up other passages. And a lot of times you're, thankfully, a lot of our scriptures now have cross-references right there in the margins. You know, look for those cross-references and go read them and just be encouraged with those when we're, um, when we're studying these things. Um, it shapes our thinking. We don't realize how this is like, this is like the nutrients of our breakfast. You know, I'm going on the, I'm going on the energy that I just ate. I'm going on that energy. Feeding our spirit is what our spirits go on. It's the food that, that feeds our thinking, that feeds our, our attitudes, it feeds our faith, our belief, our fears. You know, it, it, it chases out the fear. It flips the light on, the darkness has to go. This is what feeding our spirit does. So when we're understanding his nature and his character and his ways, this is one section of scripture. The powerful word of God is written for you and I to glean, gather, study, and know. How rich are we to have this anointed book right here? How rich are we? We can look and understand it here. Life here. Life in heaven. And God, what he wants for us, what he has for us. We don't have to cower and live in ignorance. God did not want that and does not want that for us. How many of you are finding that making the, the list have uh, been a revelation maybe or inspiring to you as you're doing it? Does something just absolutely pop off the page when you're making a list and you're doing this, right? Or even been convicting, right? There's um, a lot of lists and, and commands in this particular one. Oh, that's very convicting, right? Because there's so much that we should be focusing. So I just want to tell you, I've merely, this I did, I wanted, I will probably sprinkle in as I'm doing these overviews, sprinkle in a little bit of what the method is of the study so that when you're, you know, as we go on and on, that you're finding it a little bit not, not so confusing. Why are we doing this and what is this for? Um, it, it's an, more of an explanation of why we're doing this study, okay? But I've only scratched the surface. I just want to let you know that. So I'm sure that you've noticed there's a lot of other repeating words, phrases, characters, groups of people. Sometimes I like to look at verbs, and I'll just circle all the verbs and the whole thing, and just like, you know, it, it's revealing. Well, there's contrast. I don't know if you noticed there was a whole darkness, the light, day, day, and, um, and light, darkness, night, darkness and night, day and light. There was a whole contrast of that. I didn't even have you do that. If you wanted to take the time, it's like, it's right there. It's just, it's just boom, right in the center of the text. There's other contrasts. When you see something that's that contrasting, it's really good to take the time. And, and I always put a line right down the middle of my page and put a column at the top and I contrast the two. And I just write all the scriptures that have to do it and then just look at one or the other. It's good for your mind. And I think he puts them in contrasting he puts it right there for us to look at and meditate on. It would behoove us to, to compare them, to really think about it, to meditate on them, right? But I don't do that. I'm just saying there's a lot more. Feel free <laughs> as your, you know, your time allows and your desires or your impulses lead you into another area of text. Don't feel confined to this instruction page. You know, Let the Holy Spirit teach you and what you're, you may be really needing something from that. Let the Lord lead you. So, and I do want to let you know too, I'm not going to take the time to explicitly go through every single one of the questions on here. And this is my review. That's not what I'm doing. 
I only did this, uh, you know, this God thing because I wanted you to see an example, okay? But I do want you to see, um, if you take the time to go through all the list of things, you learn about each of the things you mark specifically. Now, I end up taking time at the beginning of my week when I decide, <clears throat> I look and I start making, if I can see if I can find my little page, it's like a key or it's like a legend, okay? I'll make a list of, these are the words, because I, I forget what color I used. <laughs> or I forget, you know, and I'll mark it, you know, a certain way, like the day I put a little sunrise, you know, in yellow. Day and light, you know, and night, I did it in a black, you know, you know. Um, and, I, and I make a little legend that reminds me, this is, this is my key for how I'm marking things. And it sometimes helps because if you go on to other scriptures, other texts, it's like, it's like oh, yeah, that's right. That word, I, I did it this way. I might as well just do it the same way. You don't, you don't have to recreate the wheel. It just it kind of helps keep it organized in my brain so that when I'm going back and I look at it, I'll have to look for yeah. is that color or that marking, and then I can quickly make a list of all that it, it um, refers to. Okay. There's a lot underneath the surface is what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a whole realm of discover underneath the surface of this. So, um, you know, simply making a list gives instant depth of knowledge of that particular thing. And like I said, if it's in context of this, you're not going to go wrong. You're not going to be led into some heresy when you're making a list from one context of Scripture. And, and then find cross-references to these, you know, throughout Scripture. And let it speak, you know, it's amazing. Sometimes those cross-references that I take t- the time to do about that particular word, or if I, you know, I look in my, my um, margin and I see that particular verse has a cross-reference, to, you know, three or four throughout Scripture. Wow, it just illuminates my mind as what, you know, comparing Scripture to Scripture. Just brings a depth to that one verse that I never really thought about. And then to look up definitions, um, the Hebrew or Greek word dictionaries, there's word study helps, you know, those are fine. I'm not telling you you can't use any helps at all. I'm just saying those things are really, really helpful. And sometimes I just look it up on my little app, Webster's, you know, <laughs> you know, just to, um, just to help me start. Med- and it just begins a meditation process in my mind to be able to start thinking about that particular word and bringing it um, to better understanding. And if you have a Bible handbook, sometimes you can also have maps, historical references to money, measures, weights, general life, times. They can be helpful. It can help your meditation life to think about what it would be like. And if we can ever put ourselves in a position where we feel like we're one of the characters or we're listening to someone in that time, it's really helpful. Anyway, we can be Bible scholars, ladies. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is our guide and teacher, the simple word of God, and a good study method. So, on your study lesson instructions, I direct you to look at all the words that point to the future. And so I had you looking at the words will, shall, and may, okay? And if you make of all the list of those that they, these words, they point for the events that will come to pass. And, you know, they are prophetic. That's the nature of the word, things that have been spoken ahead of time that have not yet happened and the word says they will happen. That's a prophecy. Okay, that's prophetic. It doesn't have to say this is a prophecy from God. It's just if somebody says this is going to happen in the future, that's a prophecy. Okay, that's why we look at these end times because there's a lot that has been said that will happen. So if you've made these 
there's, these are on point for the events that are coming to pass. And they're, um, God's word tells us the future. This is one of the major texts of scriptures that we always come back to to refer to uh, future events, prophetic events for the end times. So, and then if you did it, like I asked you to, you just made a, you know, that, that whole list of, okay, these are the people that are here where we, who are, are alive and remain and those who have died in Christ. And we, we contrasted them because this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and this will happen. And you numbered in so advanced so you could see, okay, this happens first and this happens and this happens. It tells us in order what's going to, you know, what will happen with, with, as, as we are, you know, Jesus comes back. And so that is just a, a huge blessing to look at and be encouraged and comforted to realize they didn't know anything about the second coming of Jesus Christ. They really didn't. He just said, I'll be back, you know, and he didn't say. Jesus didn't tell um, in Matthew 24, he, he talked about how sudden it would be, and he talked, you know, remember we did that last study? He had very things he did say, but he didn't say anything about the day, other than it was going to be a surprise, and nobody knew when the time would be. So this is a real encouraging thing for us to understand. You know, okay, whoosh, they're going up, and we're going up. And, you know, it probably answered some questions for us, but also raised some new ones for us, right? You know, when we were, when we were going through this. There's... Um, You know, if if there are not words that are written in a text, don't automatically presume that everything written down in the same text is all linear, okay? Um, a lot of times there are things written in the same context, but it's not the next order. This happens a lot in Revelation, a lot. Because it's almost like, it, Greg described it one time, and it made perfect sense to me. It's right. It's almost like when you click on a link and it opens a new box, it's like we're talking about this event, Poof, whole new thing, you know, and it's got all these things listed. And then you go a little bit further. Oh, the second vial. Oh, the third vial. The fifth vial. Poof, just click, click that link. Poof, whole new list of things. It's a drop down. <laughs> that happens a lot. If you can think about that in, when we're going through the Revelation. So he's, he's describing events within certain time frames, right? We don't have to understand it like this happened. You know, it's not a linear line that we can look at. It's like... It, how else do you describe such incredible things, right? You have to describe it in pieces and then, you know, go back. And, and sometimes when we're reading scriptures back in the Old Testament, you realize, oh, that's what they're, oh, that's what they're talking about. They got that from here, you know, they were, and, and the, the teachers in the New Testament, they were pulling from this section. Oh, you know, so we, it's, it's not for us to put it all in linear order. We don't necessarily have a full, time scale for this. We like that, don't we? Don't we? You know, I want to know when, I want to know, you know, in order, because I want to, <laughs> I want to be, <laughs> I want to have it all down. We don't, we don't get that. But I, I'm, we did learn last time that God, to live with the expectation of not knowing fully puts us in a whole different mindset than if we know you know, sometimes if we know, we just like, okay, I got another. It's like when we wake up in the morning, oh, I got another 10 minutes, you know. And we just, we're not as prepared as we should be because we're, we think we know. And the Lord wants us to be in that mindset where we're always expecting, looking, waiting, preparing, you know. So there, that's a whole different, he wants us in that expectation. So, all right. So um, the purpose of our 
people get ready studies, for people to be informed about end times and preparations. Lots of things are exciting. Many things are finalities and judgments. So that's all mixed together. Um, and we saw that in this text alone. We're in the middle of talking about believers, and then boom, right in the middle, big warnings, right, for unbelievers. So that's part of it is these have these chapters have very specific purposes too. And because Paul was concerned about this church, his family, this little new church that he was checking in on, he was, you know, they were, they had worries, upsetting things they didn't understand. He also knew some of the finalities that would help them. He knew some of those things that would just make them feel better and just settle them down. You know, we do that for our kids, don't we? Okay, it's going to be fine. This is going to be, you know, and we start doing things that will settle them down. (laughs) This is kind of what he did. And he all, basically, he wants us, he he doesn't want anybody to perish. We don't, we want, he wanted to give us enough to scare us for the people that we should go be witnessing to. You know, he's like, okay, you can't just settle in. Oh, you're going to have, woohoo. You have to have compassion on the people who are not. We need to know what's going to happen for that as well. We can't, we don't get to sit around and, and do nothing. We, we need to be about his business because God wants all to come to the knowledge and the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. All right, so it's really interesting. All the things that we would do if we were going to help somebody not be afraid or help them, like it, mature them, Paul did right here. And if you can look at your, your note page, <laughs> look at all the things that he did. Kind of in order. It's, it's amazing. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, he was like, he's trying to get them to be less fearful. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't be grieving in such de- great depths of grief, right? And then the next uh, three verses or four verses, he warns them about what's to come so they can warn other believers. He's like, D- you know, this isn't just for you. You have a responsibility to the people around you to tell other people. Mm-hmm. You know, he tells them and he warns them of, of um, he's like, you know, it's going to come. We told you it's going to come like a thief in the night, but, you know, destruction is going to come on those suddenly like birth pangs. And they will not escape. You have to, you know, you have to know this. And then verses 4 through 10 goes through this whole area of expectation. So just so you know, you're not sons of the dark. You're sons of the light. You're not, we shouldn't sleep like other, we don't have to live in that. We are of the light. And there's a, and he's like, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. He wanted to give us that assurance and to have expectation and hope and comfort. We don't have to live in any fear of the warnings that he's given. And then in our connection, in verse um, from 11 all the way through 28, to know how to live, okay? List after list after, you know, I'm going to say list. Item after item after item after item. Huge list of things to do, right? Almost the rest of the chapter. This is how we live. And you know what? If we plaster anything on as a to-do list on our calendars, this should be it. <laughs> Half of them have to do with the body of Christ, other believers, brethren. How many people took the time to go through and mark all the things about one another, one another, one another, brethren, 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 one another, brethren. Half of it has to do with our brethren. And half of it, well, I don't know if it's exactly half, but the next section has to do with a personal, personally before God. And so I'm just going to read those really quickly. 
decided not to type them all out since I had already done them. Okay, in regards to our brethren, starting with verse 11. Therefore, I'm just going to read them in list form. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Appreciate those who diligently labor among you. Esteem them very highly. So these are all the things we do. We encourage, we build up, we appreciate, we esteem. We live in peace with one another. That's hard right now. Who, who would have thought, right? Admonish the unruly. We still have that responsibility. He tells us that we need to do, learn how to do this in the body. Encourage the faint-hearted. And how many faint-hearted do we have? Help the weak. Oh, my goodness. We have to look out for each other, people. That's what those care groups are all about, that the guys are starting up. Help the weak. Be patient with all men. No, let no one repay evil for evil. And seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. Okay? And then for ourselves, personal instructions, commands, let us be alert and sober. Let us be sober, starting with, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 6. Let us be alert and sober. Let us be sober, verse 8. Putting on this, all this armor. And I went back and I compared it to the armor of Galatians 5. I don't know if you know. They're not exactly the same. It's interesting. They're, he calls the breastplate, you know, of, of faith here. And then it's a sword of faith, you know. The sword is interesting. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Another, this is God's will. Do not quench the spirit, oh my goodness, in the last days. Do not despise prophetic utterances in the last days. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good and abstain from every form of evil. So these are our jobs. These are our, uh, we, we are to um, pay close attention to. This is our work in the Lord. So I wish I'd taken time to write out the definition of every one of these words. In fact, I'm thinking, you know, maybe that's going to be our next study, what to do in the end times, and then do an in-depth study on each one of these. Oh, my goodness, you know, what, we have our hands full. We, we really do. But these are the reasons why we need to know that living through this crazy, loony tomb time, this world is absolutely upside down and absolutely out of their minds, absolutely out of their minds, it's frightening. It's a frightening time. It's so unsettling to realize that people can be so deceived and so angry and divided. Oh, my goodness. So that's the very reason we chose to do this study on the end times. We need to do all of the above. How much of this is bringing people back together, encouraging, settling people down, you know, helping people, you know. That's us. You think the world's going to do that? No. I don't care how many social justice programs you don't. Everybody's out for themselves. Everybody's out for themselves. We're the ones who comfort and encourage and help and do, right? Okay. So I hope that you're able to finish these studies in your personal time. As I said, nothing's going to replace that. I'm not going to replace that with this overview. That is everything you glean, everything you glean is so rich for you. If you don't get to, it's just that you're missing out, you know, that blessing. Do you ever hear the Lord speak to you? He does this to me in the mornings when I want to keep my head on my pillow. He's like, I have something for you. I'm like, 
okay. <laughs> you know, I get up out of my bed. It's yes, throw the covers off. It's like, oh, you know that personal invitation from the Lord? Yeah, I have something for you. You know, if your husband said that, would you like, he's like, oh, good. You know, what is it? You know, no, the Lord says, I have something for you. So we need to seek it out. Um, he's the ultimate teacher anyway. He's the ultimate reviewer, overviewer of the word of God. He's going to minister to you what you need to know, what you need to hear. So that we can count on. But um, the next text we're going to do, as you notice, is on your list. If you're noticing on your list, let's see. Nope, here it is. It's Second Peter. Here's this. All right, can you be my helper? Pass some of these out to all the tables. Just take some and then pass them all around. Or get up and divvy them up to the tables. Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, Second Peter will be our next study. Um, I listed it on our list here as chapters 1 through 3, but it's actually part of chapter 1 and then the, all of 2 and 3, just for clarification. All right. I just want us to dive into this next test, text with fresh eyes. We actually went through the book of First and Second Peter, didn't we? Not too long ago. Was that a couple of years ago? Or I can't remember when it was. Before COVID. It really wasn't too far before COVID that we had gone through First and Second Peter. But um, this speaks so much to what's happening in the end times right now. So what a blessing. And remember, it's just a reminder, it's very hard to keep from seeking out the prophecy teachers regarding specific text, specific text. Um, and I'm guilty because I just shared something from Jan Markell. She had a prophecy, a conference. She does it every year. She hosts it every day up in um, Idaho. She always brings in Koinonia House, and she has a lot of Calvary Chapel pastors there. But she had this panel of, um, I think it was Jack Hibbs and Amir Safardi and then Barry somebody. Thank you. And um, they loaded it with all the things we're studying. I mean, they were asking question after question. And these were all, it was a panel. They were just asking questions that they had. She had selected. Jan Markell, is, I've been following her for years as far as she's just a good interviewer. Mm-hmm. And she brings in people. So I shared that. So I'm not saying, oh, you can't listen. Can't li-. No, I'm saying don't use it for, uh, you want fresh eyes to look at the scriptures, what we're saying. But don't use it for your source. Oh, well, so-and-so says this scripture means this. You want the Holy Spirit to be your teacher about these scriptures. That doesn't mean you shouldn't have your ears open to what's, you know. So um, let the word speak loudly and clearly to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank you, God, for your spirit that is just. We depend on you, God. We depend on you. We know, Lord, that you have everything we need for life, for godliness. We know, God, that your spirit is, will lead us, will protect us, will show us the way, Lord. It will get, will, you will give us what we need. You will heal us, Lord. We're counting on all these things, and we cling to what we know of you, and we ask, God, that you would reveal yourself to us in these studies. And we thank you, God, for the sisters. Thank you, God, for this time we have in prayer and, and discussion. And we pray that your spirit would anoint each one in Jesus' name. Amen.